This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Now, I want to get back to what you said. Verlander and Scherzer. Last year, it was DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett. These pitchers have failed in the biggest moments. And that's what's supposed to be the strength of the team. Like when you look at the Mets on paper coming into this season, coming into last year, the thing that made the Mets unique besides Diaz, who ended up having an incredible year, was having two aces at the top of their rotation. Last year, it was Jake and Max. This year, it's Max and JV. And these two guys this year, more so than even last year, because last year is what it was. DeGrom missed the first half of the year. Scherzer was really good when he pitched, and then he crapped the bed in the last two starts. DeGrom was not great in his start against Atlanta. He was better in his start against San Diego. But right now, Justin Verlander's got an ERA near five after missing the first month of the year. Scherzer was pitching really well over his last four starts, but has now kind of given us the, 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 the rhythm of, hey, he'll give you some really good starts. He's not completely done, but when it's the biggest game, he will come up small. And what he did in game two of this series gave me flashbacks to that stiff Tom Glavin. Because what Tom Glavin did in game five of the NLCS in 06 haunts me almost as much as the other stuff from game seven. They gave him a lead and he instantly gave it back. Max Scherzer looked dominant in game two of this series. He's striking guys out. He's looking really good over the first three innings. How many strikeouts did he have in the first three innings? I think he had like eight. So he was incredible. And the Mets gave him a 2-0 lead. They actually scored in the first inning. They give him a 2-0 lead. In the fourth inning, I'm willing to throw that run away because they were all infield hits, and he was very, very unlucky, and he got out of it with a big strikeout. But then in the fifth inning, after they give you more runs and you're up 4-1, to one, and you've got two outs and nobody on. Max Scherzer gives up a hit and a home run. All of a sudden, it's a game again. What does he do in the sixth with two outs and nobody on? A double, a double, an RBI single, and the entire lead is flushed. That's not an ace. That's not even a good pitcher. That's a stiff. And what really pisses me off about the Max game is that you can't even tell me, like you can with Verlander, didn't have it. Like sometimes, eh, just not your day. It's bad timing. He didn't have it. You can't say that with Max because he had it. In the first three innings, he was dominant. He was electric. He had it. But in the fifth and sixth inning, he gave it away. So right now, and you're not wrong with anything you said, Pete, in kind of ripping Epler and the way the roster is built 
and we'll have a lot of time to break that down. But right now, my anger is that they have two Hall of Famers on this roster who, by the way, I'm sick of saying it, but I'll say it again, have done nothing for us. They are the definitions of mercenaries, and they're not doing their job, and they are coming up small. When your offense scores 10 runs and you have Justin Verlander on the mound, that's a win. When your offense gives you five runs and you've got Max Scherzer on the mound, that's a win. And while the bullpen wasn't good either night, and the bullpen absolutely sucks, I agree. Those guys can't suck. Those guys need to be great. And if they're not great, we're screwed. And right now, at 30 and 33, after what we just witnessed, it's not the math, it's the results. We feel screwed. One thing we forgot, too, is the fact that we did beat up on Spencer Strider, which is a historic thing. We do that. That's something that's not new. But you talk about our mercenaries not showing up in the biggest spots. We were able to to actually perform well against one of the best pitchers out there right now. Uh, and so that's just another deflating thing on top of it. Like, it, you you can't lose games any worse than the Mets do this year. It, it's getting pathetic, actually. On top of pathetic, one more thing to add on. I, I didn't hear the audio yet, but I just saw a quote from <laughs> Buck Show Walter. Uh, talks about the, the, the right mindset after a sweep by the Braves. He said, I'm proud of them. I look at it as positives other than we just couldn't get out. Oh, stop. Used every hour we had. Stop it. I, I, you know what? I don't want to hear that crap because while they definitely fought back when they were down uh, three, nothing, I'll give them that. I think we all assumed when the Braves scored three runs in the first inning and Starling Marte's overrunning base hits the right field. Yes. We'll all admit we thought the game was over no matter what success they've had against Spencer Strider. I think my thought was, especially after the first inning, when he's striking out a couple of the guys in a dominant one, two, three inning, my thought is, well, he's due to dominate. He's a very good pitcher. The Mets have had success against him. It all ends tonight. So I'll give them credit that they pounded Strider, like you said, and they responded after the Braves went up 3-0. So they did show a little bit of fight. But what I would ask Buck is, where was the fight when they blew the lead? Where was the fight in the 10th inning? That game can still be won. I'm sorry. It can be. You have the top of the order coming up with a runner on second base. So I don't want to hear about fight. I don't want to hear about how proud you are. The Mets are in a free fall. They've lost six in a row for the first time since 2019, which this season reminds me of. Even though in 2019, the Mets won, I think, 86 games, which actually would be enough to make the playoffs this day and age, they had so many bad losses, so many losses that they left on the table where, yeah, they won 86, but they should have won 93. I don't know if this team's going to win 86 games, by the way. I have no idea. But now they're starting to rack up the brutal losses, the losses that are left on the table. This is a loss that's left on the table. How are they going to respond in Pittsburgh? I have no freaking idea. But the one thing I don't want to hear from this manager is how proud he is because nobody's proud. Everybody's embarrassed and everybody's disgusted. And maybe that's the right thing to say. You know, maybe it's okay once in a while to say, hey, I'm disgusted. Now, as far as his managing is concerned, I had some questions about the bullpen handling in game two. I'm debating if we should even spend time on it. 
because it's so yesterday's news. We are recording this right after the Mets got swept. So I don't know if I want to get into the weeds on game two of this series. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. As far as game three of the series is concerned, I didn't hate any of the way he handled this bullpen. I had one question. So first of all, Verlander after three innings, he's thrown 82 pitches and he blows. You want to take him out after three? I can't cry about it especially after throwing 117 pitches five days earlier. I I don't think Verlander was ever settling down. So do you disagree with the pull of Verlander, or would you have pushed him another inning? I would have tried another inning just because it's not like we give our bullpen a lot of time off. I mean, we're asking six innings. That's a lot. and I get it, but do you think Verlander's settling in? No, but it, the bullpen didn't settle it either. No, no. L- l- listen, we know the bullpen isn't a great option, but Justin Verlander, 82 pitches after three innings, heart of the order coming up for the third time around the order. I, I don't think it ends well. Like, I, I don't think Verlander is able to give you a scoreless inning. I don't, I, I don't know what happens if you keep him in the game, but it ain't good. Can I ask you a question? All right, this is stupid, but you know how it, uh, in a World Series, Game 7 on the line, you you do you go to your bullpen or do you go to your best pitcher? Who who is the best pitcher? If you? if your best pitcher has thrown eighty three pitches and nursed his way through three innings and gave up five runs and four earned, I'm going to assume my bullpen is good because I'm in the seventh game of the World Series. So I'm going to my freaking bullpen. <laughs> now the Mets don't have a good bullpen, but I don't know if it's really about trusting the bullpen. No one does. It's more about. He hasn't had it. I mean, he just he just walked four guys in the third inning. He walked Acuna with the bases loaded. He was fortunate to strike out Matt Olson. I I just don't think he had anything left would be my answer. And he goes to Nagosik, which is the obvious guy to go to. He's basically become the long man. He gets through the fourth inning. Okay, great. He lets him start the, uh, the fifth inning. He gives up a leadoff home run. At that point, my antenna's up. All right. I'm already in the fifth inning. I'm trying to piece together how many outs I need. I know I could get maybe five or six out of Robertson, so I'm working backwards. I know Adovino and Leon aren't available. Everyone else is. So I'm on alert when he gives up the home run. He gets it out. He gives up a double to Michael Harris, and he pulls him. I'm with him on that. Like, I think at that point, yeah, take him out of the game. He goes to Jeff Brigham. He gets the next two guys out. Brigham starts the sixth, gives up an infield hit to Austin Riley, and then Brett Beatty makes a great play at third base. Then he goes to Raleigh. That's where I would differ. And this is the second straight game in which Buck did this. Buck needed to go to Brooks Raleigh to face Eddie Rosario. And it did. And this was the point I made about getting into the weeds from game two. I don't need to get into the weeds of game two because he did it in game three. Now, when he did it in game two, it sort of worked because he got Rosario out. But I questioned it because Rosario's hit lefties better than righties. Raleigh is a guy who can get lefties and righties out. Why am I in a rush knowing that the on-deck hitter after Rosario is 50 times better as a right-hand hitter to go play lefty-lefty? So I would have been okay 
keeping Brigham in the game at that point to try to get a few more outs. That was the the one first guess I had from his bullpen handling. He goes to Raleigh, immediately gives up an RBI single. Like, I didn't have time to even tweet out my disapproval, RBI single. But then Raleigh gets the next two outs. Great. He lets him start the seventh, fine against RC and Michael Harris, gets an out on a great play by Nimmo, gives up a hit. Now he goes to Drew Smith. We don't love Drew Smith, but again, here's the problem. What other options do they have? It's like anyone who hates Adam Adovino after game two. Yeah, we know Adam Adovino's shaky. They don't have better options. They don't. So you can't say, oh, I'll just DFA Adam Adovino and replace him with who? Denny Reyes? Jimmy Yacobonis? Like, literally, those are the guys right now that would replace him. So he goes to Drew Smith. I'm with him on that to face Acuna. Gets the double play great. Here's where things are tricky now in the eighth inning. You could go to Robertson right out the gate against two, three, and four, but you're immediately taking Smith out of the game after getting two outs when you could squeeze another out out of him. And if you go to Robertson in the eighth, which I'm a fan of, especially against that heart of the order, you have no one to back him up. You're done. You just use your last chip. So I think what Buck said, and I agreed with it, was I got to try to squeeze an out or two out of Drew Smith here. Because if I go to Robertson in the eighth, I'm committed to David Robertson for the rest of the game, or I'm going to Tommy Hunter because I got nobody left. Smith gets the out. He gives up a hit to Austin Riley. Now, once he gives up the hit to Riley, here's the first guess game. Do you go to Robertson now to face Travis Darno? You're up by three runs. I think I would have. I think I, I think at that point, I would have done that. He doesn't. Darno hits a two-run bomb off Drew Smith because, of course, he has to give up a home run. David Robertson then comes into the game, one-run lead, five-out save. At that point, the managing's done. Like, there's nothing to first guess or second guess. David Robertson's in. So those are my areas of questioning in terms of Buck's bullpen handling. But let's go back to the first point you made, Pete. This bullpen sucks. So you could try to handle it as much as you want, handle it with care as much as you want. There are not a lot of great options in this bullpen. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure who besides Robertson is a good option anymore. I mean, you're talking about great, like, okay, a shutdown guy. Brooks Raleigh hasn't been as fantastic as we wanted him to be, too. It's it's been a crap show. And I'll say this. You're right. The, the, his decision bringing, uh, Brooks in, in to get that last out, uh, I didn't think it was necessary. But then once he did that, like, he's just got to go leave the guy in for the whole inning. Like, if he's going to have Brooks start the, the next inning, let him go the rest of the way. Like, I want the guy to have a clean inning and just start fresh like that. To me, I just took to inconsistency to go pull him here and there. I know the matchups. I know I get it. But at this point in time, you have a limited amount of availability in your bullpen. You're running out of arms. Give him the full inning. Let him get through the full inning. That's what I would have done different. Yeah, I think the problem was when Rayleigh pitched the seventh, he got bailed out on a diving play by Nimmo and gave up a hit, and now Acuna's up. And it just feels like... Uh oh, this could go bad. Like, this could be where Acuna explodes and hits a bomb of a home run in that moment. But look, the problem when you're facing a lineup like this, and it is a great lineup, 
I mean, the Atlanta Braves are so freaking loaded. Michael Harris, I know he's had a bad year. We're starting to see him break out, and it looks like he has, especially with what happened in game two of the series and then two more hits in game three of this series. There's no easy out, and the Mets don't have a good bullpen. Like They don't have a lot of great options. So it makes the bullpen handling so much more difficult when you don't have good options.